Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome to the VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week we have a new topic and a guest speaker or speakers who is an expert on that topic. To stay up to date on our upcoming schedule, you'll want to be part of our weekly email list. Swing by boothbesties.com and shoot us a message with your email and we'll get you added. And if you haven't joined our VO Booth Besties Facebook group, do that too. And as usual, if you have a question as the interview goes on, simply drop it in the chat and we'll do our best to fit it in. We respectfully ask that everyone stay muted except for the besties and our speakers tonight. Um, so without further ado, over to you, A.B. All right. Our first guest this evening is Terry Berland. Am I saying that right? Is it Berland or Berland? Berland. Berland. Oh, Berland. All, both were wrong. Our first guest this evening is Terry Berland. Berland. Now, now I'm not going to, I talk for a living. Burr, burr. One more time. Burr. First guest this evening is Terry Berland. Terry Berland is an award-winning casting director for voiceovers, including commercials, animation, video games, as well as on-camera commercials, hosting, theater, and film. Terry's casting career has earned her casting awards that include Clio, the Houston International Film Festival, Art Directors Club, Addy, International Film, and Television Festival. Terry is known for casting legions of voice actors throughout the years and that have given many voice actors work, including Apple, Taco Bell, Voice of the Chihuahua, Mercedes, Nike, Expedia, Discover Card, Pepsi, Red Bull, Lexus, and Burger King, <sighs> to name a few. Terry is a proud member of the CSA, the Casting Society of America, and is known throughout the country for her talent development. Terry is the co-author of the How-To Industry Book, Breaking into Commercials, and is a blog writer for Casting Network's Newsfeed and an industry VO expert for Backstage. All the things. All the things. Our I next guest you. is Julia Bianco Schaffling. Julia is the author of The Art and Business of Acting for Video Games, the industry's first such guide. Julia serves as the COO and casting director at the Help Network, where she specializes in voice and performance, capture casting for future technologies, including video games, AR, VR, new media, location-based entertainment, and more. Her notable casting credits include The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, which, by the way, my kids thought was amazing, uh, Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, and Tell Me Why, which features the first playable transgender character in a video game. She is a member of BAFTA and has been featured in the Los Angeles Times, Backstage, and Wired Magazine. My turn. Our third panelist, I'm sure none of you have heard of, so let me introduce her, is Mary Lynn Wisner. Since 1990, Mary Lynn has been a casting director and creator of the award-winning Voices Voice Casting, has cast thousands and thousands of voice talent in thousands of voiceover productions. From the Clio-winning Chevron, Talking Cars, to the 13-part history, The Color of War, to Chrysler, Mercedes, Chiquita, Fiat, Taco Bell, Coca-Cola, Toyota, Legos, Walgreens, Kleenex, U.S. Army, Hoorah, Sony, 7-Eleven, Takati, Honda, Hasbro, Clorox, Jeep, Mattel, Leap Pad. 
just to name a few, as well as several feature films, animation series, and video games, audiobooks, and narrations. Casting voices for e-learning, promos, and IVR, whatever voice request is needed, Mary Lind has found the voice for it. In addition to her successful career casting, Mary Lynn has continued to direct workshops, coach, do consultations, and direct talent all across the world. In 2007, Mary Lynn created the VO Pros, where talent can meet the pros and leaders in the industry with weekly workshops and clinics. And in 2019, Mary Lynn and a few of her VO colleagues introduced the VO Roadshow, which I still want to attend, bringing the most accredited and respected coaches and directors to your town. As the creator of the VoiceOver Self-Direction app, Mary Lynn simplified the self-direction process for talent to use on their iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. Wow, wow, and wow. Thank you guys for joining us. Over to you, JT. Yes, thank you all for being here tonight. Um, You've each been casting directors for quite some time. Um, I'd like to know how you each got into casting. Were any of your voice actors beforehand? And Terry, let's start with you. Hi, everyone. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I started out in New York City um, on Madison Avenue, where the ad agencies at the time, Madison Avenue ad, ad agencies, cast the commercials. That was the mecca for commercials. I started out as an assistant and worked my way up, you actually had to be promoted and, you know, to a casting director. You couldn't just get a freelance job and call yourself casting director. So I was an assistant and I worked my way up um, to head of casting for BBDO, which was the third largest in the world at the time. And, um, you know, then eventually things changed and um, people were freelancing, agencies dissolved their casting departments. And I had an opportunity, very good opportunity to uh, move to LA where I partnered with um, Lieberman Hirschfeld and did their commercial department. They were casting Seinfeld at the time and Larry Sanders and Grace Under Fire And, um, you know, then totally went out on my own to Berlin casting. And that's it. Here I am today. That is quite an amazing stretch. Wow. Those shows, I've I've watched all those shows. I love it. All right, Julia, how about you? What's your your backstory? Uh, Very different, very different from that. I started in recording arts at Loyola Marymount University. I uh, wanted to be in music, and my college job was at Treyarch, the Call of Duty developer. Um, I famously got denied a job at Starbucks the same week that I got the reception job at Treyarch. So, uh, And I worked there during college and met basically the sound department people and networked. And when I graduated from college, I moved into the sound department and started managing dialogue because back then it was the redheaded stepchild of games. Um, Cut to uh, 15, 20 years later, uh, about uh, actually about almost 10 plus years ago, I started Formosa Interactive with my business partner, Chip Beeman. We were there for five and a half years and then we left to start the Help Network. 
Um, casting for games is its own kind of beast, and it's it's definitely not something that even at the moment justifies its own kind of career definition. Uh, and so I do a lot of different things and I've been on a lot of different sides of it. Um, so it, it is, but I have not done much acting for games other than, um, when I was forced to, when I worked at the developer. So that's the, that's the, uh, the short, short version. I love it. Starbucks turned you down. Yep. <laughs> well, I'd say that worked out better for you for sure. It. <laughs> All right, Marilyn, if there was, anything we didn't already cover with NJ. Um, Tell us about how you ended up where you are now. Yeah. um, Thanks besties for having me. Um, I, I grew up here in LA. Um, My father was a television producer and I just always wanted to be an actor. And when I was in high school, I started doing on-camera work. I did tons of on-camera commercials and did that all through high school and college. But um, I did it mostly to pay for college. I didn't do it. I, I loved being an actor, but I just I knew I didn't ultimately want to be an actor. And then after I graduated, I started working for Don Pitts as his assistant agent. And Don was the guy that kind of started the whole business of voiceover agenting back in the day. And uh, I did that for a couple of years. And then my first job in casting was at the voice caster in Burbank, which at that time was the only voice casting facility in the country. So we were casting everything. Uh, It was crazy, crazy, um, but so much fun. This was, you know, pre-internet. So it was just, it it was amazing. Um, And then after about a year and a half there, I decided I could do this on my own. And um, cocky 20-something Mary Lynn opened up Voices Voice Casting. And uh, that's how I started my company. I love those. Yeah, I love those stories. Sorry. Um, No, and you know what I what what I'm hearing from each of you, which applies to everyone here, and and it wasn't even really in a place we meant to go, but you guys all have an entrepreneurial spirit to you too. I mean, it's not a sit back and wait for things to come to you, or like you said, just following a traditional path. If I went to school and then I studied and then I did my internship and then, you know, directly where I wanted to go. No, you get fired from Starbucks. You move from New York City. You're, you know, everybody's trying, trying their own way. And I think that's fantastic. So uh, Mary Lynn, I want to, no, no, no. I want to go to Julia. So Julia, because each of you guys cast mostly lots of different things, but you are a little more niche. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about how auditions look for video games, for kind of more of the genres you work with? Sure. Um, There's two ways that auditions work in, in games and kind of future tech. There's a lot of really small games a lot of indie games, mobile games. Um, And one thing that's kind of important to note about games versus any of the other um, like media is that you don't need an actor to have a good game. And, and I know it's, it's, it seems very simple, but it's really important for the understanding of the process that a good game is a good game with or without actors. The actors are secondary to the gameplay. Interesting. They serve the gameplay. They serve the world. It's not the other way around, right? And so uh, because of that, there are a ton of tiny games. There's a ton of games that don't use voice at all. There's tons that use nonverbal or, you know, um, non-distinguishable words because then you don't have to localize. There's all sorts of 
ways that uh, there's entry into the voices or performance capture for games. Those little ones will typically be demo castings. And so those are like beautiful little fairy godmother blessings on you because you don't actually have to audition for them. Uh, And so people like Melissa Grillo is a great uh, casting director that does a lot of demo casting for some of the smaller games. And she has to send three to five demos and those demos have to be reflective of your, uh, you know, ability to do multiple characters in these worlds. And so uh, that's one side of it. The other side is custom auditions, just like we, you know, we do with a lot of things. And those would be sent out to agents or uh, individuals, depending on what it is we're looking for. And uh, same with performance capture, although those go to agents and or onto services like Breakdown um, and Actors Access. If it's something very specific, we'll open it up. But most of the time, our confidentiality doesn't allow us to do too much publicly. Like I'm never allowed to post anything on socials even if it's vague. Um, I'm never out, but I just recently have been able to do a few open calls that are very vague just to, uh, to get more of a certain type of person. Uh, and, but everything is very, very locked down and confidential. So similarly to animation, which Terry, I'm going to circle back to you here in a minute to talk about, um, that genre and what auditions look like there. The, one of the, the hangups is it takes a long time to create a video game like years. And I know it's very similar for animation. So yeah, so much could change between, you know, the uh, pilot, that's not the right word, but you know, from, from the introduction to when they finally get it done. And so to release anything could just totally blow. Oh, everything yes. up. It's um, it's three to seven years for the dev cycle. Wow, and um, and so because of that, not only can can things change, but the beginning when we are casting, there's no script. Really, there's no locked script. There's no um, locked characters. Everything is a work in progress, and so there's a lot of influence that actors can have at early stages and bringing their truth to the roles because of that. Um, but the expectation that you would have all this backstory or answers to questions is a little bit, you know, sometimes they do, but most of the time they may have like a big world summary and big beats, but otherwise the scripts that you're receiving for auditions are written for auditions. So if this kind of reinforces the idea having a demo that is video game specific and that truly reflects you would be the really your first your first impression although you do have kind of the you said kind of generic scripts but it being able to show range since you don't have backstory since you don't have all these other details your demo would really be what showcases that would you agree with that yeah although I have to say with the volume we get um I don't know how often we're going back into a demo to listen after we're listening to a, a custom that that said we trust our agents implicitly to curate the reads back to us. And I think in that case, you can't get a VO game agent unless you have a solid demo for that. Unfortunately, um, demos are really expensive and, uh, and the game demos that are out there are very, um, are often misguided um, because the tone for games is not, um, it's different. It's grounded. Like if you watch last of us, 
that's what we're looking for. We're looking for cinematic. It's very rare that there are like larger than life projects anymore. I mean, really, especially when we're going out and finding um, talent that isn't the, you know, the regulars, we're looking for cinematic acting a lot of times. And so that is something that is hard to find on video game demos. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's wonderful information. Thank you. So Terry, let me ask you what, when you're, um, when you're casting for animation, can you kind of tell us what do those, how does that audition process look differently than video game, than commercial, um, than kind of to some other genres? Well, the animation that I cast, and I'm doing three large campaigns now with a lot of spots in each campaign, it's not the um, big character voices. Um, I'm known for like a voice, a character that has a certain personality um, or an object that has some kind of personality a real sounding voice that can um, feel that like that character. So um, it's really interesting to listen to all the reads because I think the made up, the very cartoony voices are boring. You know, I've, I've worked on those and they basically all sound the same to me. Truthfully, it's, the process is the same. Um, we get a breakdown. If it's non-union, I think the actors here will be very interesting to hear that it takes us hours and sometimes a couple of days back and forth to get all the terms of agreement that we need to get it out to you. And a lot of times when it's non-union, their asks are too big. So a good casting director will keep um, keep them in line. Like they'll say unlimited versions. <laughs> no, I mean, you're not really going to do unlimited and no one's right. going to accept that. So, you know, can you say 10? Oh yeah, we can easily say 10. Things like that. <laughs> um, so your job is not just listen and pick some voices to present to the client. I mean, you're, there's other aspects of this that you're working on. Yeah. And this can take back and forth a couple of days. Um, something I'm working on now that's union. I mean, they didn't even mention um, conflicts, you know, so it was my job to say, well, what about conflicts? You haven't mentioned conflicts. So, um, the more that we clean up before we get it out to you and in process and book, the cleaner and easier it's going to be at the end when we finally book you. Because what we don't want to get known for as casting directors, even though it's not bait and switches, but, you know, we like I love and I can always, unless they pull a switcheroo on me. When I put out the avails, I can say, here are the terms of agreement. They're the same as that was on the breakdown. So, and then it takes hours. It it can, once I get the breakdown, it takes me three or four hours to actually get it out to you guys. Because 
they give it to me in bits and pieces and we have to put everything together and put it in a language that you will understand because we have to direct you now through words, you know, not in our mouth. So it's not organic. Like when we were with you and we could say, no, not that bright, you know, or pick it up a little. So we have to be really clear. And that com- that comes from experience. Um, so then to get all that on the scripts for each character and then directions on how we want you to label everything and slate everything and... <laughs> Because you're part of, you're now part of our organizational system. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So it takes a minute. It takes a minute. I think that's an important thing for talent to remember. Um, So Mary Lynn, let me hand it over to you. I know your sweet spot is uh, commercial. So can you tell us a little bit, what does the audition process look like for, that would be different than these other genres for auditions? Um, It's, it's a little bit quicker, that's for sure, because, uh, you know, depending on the job, depending on the client, uh, they could want something yesterday, or they might give us, you know, a week to work on it. Usually, you know, I'll get the call from the ad agency or production company, uh, or email, and then I get on the phone with them and hash it out and flesh out what they're looking for. Um, And um, I kind of like, depending on our schedule, I do like to try and get them done, you know, in a really pretty quick, timely manner so that then if there's anything they might've changed their mind on or, um, you know, after hearing it back, uh, hearing the auditions back, if they want to do callbacks, you know. Um, So the turnaround process for commercials obviously is way quicker than um, games and and animation. Um, Even narrations, we we cast a lot of narrations for like discovery and history, but Um, so, so yeah, but I personally like that. I'm, you know, my energy is always kind of wanting to what's next, what's next. So for me, it's very appealing. Um, so yeah. And then I work very closely with agents and and talent that don't have agents. So I just start reaching out and get these auditions in and, and, uh, try to turn them over pretty quickly. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. AB you're up. So because yeah, go ahead. I just, um, interject. A really big change is before COVID, when we would have people come to our offices to audition, audition. So we'd have like 50 people. And so you knew you were up against 50 people. Now we put it out to the agents and we get back your reads and you know, there could be easily 300 in each category for each role. And then we have to keep honing it down. So it's different. It's a different job of a casting director. Now our job is different and they don't accept, most of them don't accept 50 anymore. Maybe they'll accept 30. So we've been, we've become much more a part of the selection process and I had to get really used to that. And you actors, although your opportunities are much greater now because you get more auditions, 
um, you know, you're also up against more people. So, yeah. And that actually rolls right into what I was about to ask, which is, I know that the three of you have been in this industry combined many years, right? Like you've seen shifts and changes and, and, and I, I'm sure you could tell so many stories, but to keep it relevant to right now, it's what changes have you seen in the industry post pandemic in each genre? And um, I mean, obviously one of those is way more talent auditioning, obviously. Um, and there, cause access to home studios has changed so much. Uh, so what, what other changes have you seen? And this can be changes to the audition process or changes to the reads and how, what, what people are looking for. So um, we'll start with uh, Mary Lynn this time. Um, the changes I've seen since the pandemic are uh, budgets are smaller, <laughs> which means casting budgets are smaller, which means um they want to hear less people, but I still throw out the net pretty wide so that I can, you know, uh, kind of extrapolate the, the, you know, the good talent from those auditions. Um, they, they want to hear less people, but they still demand the same service that they, they, they wanted, you know, the bigger budget service that they want. And of course I'm happy to do that, but, um, that's, that's changed a lot. Uh, of course, non-union has just kind of, you know, superseded everything, um, the amount of non-union uh, commercials has just gone up exponentially. And so that's that's alarming, but it is what it is. And, you know, there's just so many great talent now. So the the um, the talent pool is really great to choose from. Uh, um, it, it does take more time. You know, like Terry was saying, it's everything, not just animation, not just games, but commercials takes more time in that there's more to choose from. Um, I kind of have a system the way we work here where I can cull through things pretty quickly, but it's um, it's not as, um, I don't know, I'd like to say it's not as leisurely as it was years ago. I don't even know if that makes sense, um, but it's, it, maybe Terry could speak to that, but it's it's um, definitely much more like I was saying earlier, kind of, can you get it done yesterday kind of thing. Um, and, and and I think especially the non-union thing has really kind of impacted a lot of not only the rates, but, you know, usage and the type of talent that we can get or not get and this the spots. So yeah, that's how I think that's definitely changed since pandemic. And of course, the unfortunate thing, like Terry was saying too, um, we just don't have people come into audition anymore. You know, we had a, a studio out in, in Studio City out here, and I loved it when the actors would come in, and um, it was fun to work with them. I would direct them, and you know, I want them to get the job, so I was working with them in the booth and things like that. And and I miss that. I miss that connection. I miss just seeing people getting a hug and hanging out and finding out what's going on with their kids or whatever. So there's some of that social part of it that's definitely gone. And, and, and that's sad. I miss that. Um, we still, I mean, if I'm doing a big campaign, I will get on the phone and direct an actor sometimes that I, you know, if, if I have the time to do that, I do that personally. But um, that kind of personal connection, I think, is gone. And, and that's that's unfortunate. I don't I don't foresee that coming back, but that's just kind of the way things roll right now. Do you feel like with that change to more uh, distance auditions, right? More people auditioning in their home, that more people are turning to coaching to be able to work with casting directors since they don't get that one-on-one? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, 
they should, they definitely should, because a casting director um, like myself who coaches, I know what's trending. I'm in the trenches. I know why certain people book and certain people don't. And and that's what I teach um, and how I teach. And I think you can only benefit from that. Um, and, and, you know, I think also it's, it just kind of gets you on their radar as well. You know, I, I reach out to talent all the time that have worked with me because I know them, I know what they're capable of. And so many of them don't have agents because it's really hard to get an agent. We all know that it's super duper hard to get an agent. And there's so many wonderful talent out there that just don't have an agent, haven't, you know, hit yet, but they, there's no reason why they shouldn't have the opportunity. So if I have something that's right for them, I will, I will send them copy. I love that. I love that. What about you, Julia? Can you comment on shifts in the industry in the last five years, four years? I almost closed it instead of unmuting. So let's not do that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, games probably saw the most significant change over that period of time, just because we were already really tech savvy and tech forward. And so the jump just happened really fast to home everything. Um, and so there's a, the, the goals for games and casting have uh, really, really honed in on being authenticity, authentic casting, lived experience. Um, and I think that's probably the same for, for the other two here. Uh, but with that, um, and the increase of talent who are accessible because of remote studios and because of the internet. Um, it means that our clients are actually open to talent from anywhere, which is something that just wasn't a thing before. Um, it is very hard to compete with the actors who are working in games constantly from afar because there's training and there's a knowledge and a secondhand that comes with working in person with some of these directors and, and getting on the radar of some of these um, game studios and stuff. And a lot of that does still happen like in LA, but there are quite a few actors who have been able to break through from Minnesota and Florida and Washington DC and places like that. Whereas five years ago, I would have told you that you absolutely have to live in LA to have any kind of career in games. So it's definitely, that has significantly changed for, for performance capture. Um, you know, we still want a lot of people in person, but that technology is getting so much easier and faster to kind of get out to the masses that I do think that that will change as well. So. Awesome. How about you, Terry? What are you, what are you seeing in, in your shift? In addition to what I said before, um, the animation that I cast are for commercials. So it does go very, very fast. And like Mary Lynn said, so fast. And my producer will say to me, oh, I gave you four days to do this because they'll send me the schedule to say, can you meet the schedule? And I say, yeah, but two of those days are weekends, uh, Saturday and Sunday. (laughs) And a lot of times I do have to work on Saturday and Sunday. And like what I'll do is the agents get, you guys get it back to your agents so fast and your agents get it out to you so fast that I now am getting, I like to give a day and a half uh, turnaround the agents usually get it back to me sooner. It's just incredible how 
fast everything's going. So that's a really, really big change. And um, you guys have to know, yeah, like I just today booked someone was in Las Vegas, someone was in Austin, New York, someone was in New York City. They and these and they're represent some of them are represented by LA agents. The agents don't even care where you're located. So there's no the borders. And then when I book something from an LA studio, we give you a choice. Come into the studio or do it from your home studio with source paid source connect. And I think it's smart of you guys to go into the studio because you have a better relationship that you gain with the creatives that are there directing you. And um, it's just a different experience. And they'll always text me from the studio. Oh, so-and-so was so great. And I also like to try new people, but this might be surprising to you too. Like, I have to feel really, really confident about you because to throw you for you to book and be in a studio with those creatives where there's probably four or five of them, they'll kill you. They'll, they expect such excellence and they don't want to work with someone who's not secure, doesn't know what they're doing, is scared. So we have to be really careful who we're going to send to a studio because it's really crucial that you can come through for those creatives. And it's sad, but, you know, that's, that is the truth. So I have to be really careful who I'm sending to them. That sounds actually considerate. You're not putting somebody in a position that they're not ready to, uh, to live up to. So Yeah, and then my creatives are unhappy and then I hear about it and, you know, you get decimated and no, that's just doesn't work. So real. And, and like Mary Lynn said, you know, sometimes I can quickly, because I listen to everything. And if there's that day that we have another day, I can quickly email. The person was too loud. They're just yelling, like, you know, have them, calm it down. So I hear more personality gives it. And then you guys send it back to me within hours. I know if you're home, you know, you're going to send it right back to me. So you really have to know how to direct yourselves. Yeah. You really have to know how to direct yourselves now. So that to that end, do you have kind of your own roster of talent that you go to, or do you always cast separately? Like Toss them oh out to agents. God. I toss it out so wide because I love giving people the chance, the opportunity. I love, you know, I can't, no, it's, I cast a very wide net. How about you, Mary Lynn? Do you cast your net wide? I know you, I know you said you have some people you'll reach out to and work with. It depends on the job because every single job and voice re- request is different. So, I mean, and again, like the budget. So, um, you know, uh, and the status, is it union, non-union? What are they paying the talent? You know, there's a lot of factors that go into where I exactly will send the copy to. But um, 
I don't play favorites with any particular agent or agency. I My job is to find the voice. And so I don't care if it's right next door at an agency or, you know, in, in the UK, you know, I, I've got to go find that voice. So it really depends on the job. That's our job, you know, yeah. is to find the perfect voice. So we go hunting. How about you, Julia? Do you have a, do you keep a roster or work only through agents? Um, both. And the main reason is there's a lot of um, game roles where uh, they need utility voices. And so, and, and I have a lot of relationships with um, voice directors and other studios. And so I do have, which is probably a little bit different than, than the other two. I do have the opportunity to kind of like gift jobs, if you will. I have to be just as secure as Terry was saying and your abilities to be able to pull off three distinct voices in any kind of world. Um, and so, you know, I have my regulars, if you will, but we're always adding to them. And that's part of the reason that, um, that we teach too, and that we coach is because we need to be constantly finding new talent. Um, people, none of our clients want to hear the same people, uh, all the time. They just, they want it. They, that's why they're coming to a casting director or else they would know all the names already to go to. So, um, but it is important for, for keeping a roster just in terms of there's like, like Marilyn was saying, there's a lot of unrepresented people and uh, it's hard to get an agent. So it's just important to have kind of contact info quickly uh, and easily for, for that stuff. Yeah. So building relationships is vitally important, right? I mean, we, we like to say that coaching with casting directors is one of the best bets for your money. And this is why you're building relationships. Um, NJ, you want to go on to the Facebook group questions? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, thank you guys. You This has been a fantastic conversation to this point. And we had put it out on our um, our VO Booth Besties Facebook group. I think all of you are members. Uh, and we said, hey, what questions do you have? So um, I'm just going to kind of pop to each one of you because I want to respect your time. So first one, Ian O'Donnell. Um, I, Terry, I'm going to ask this question to you. What are your thoughts on casting on-screen actors or other celebrities simply for name recognition versus casting professional voice actors for voice roles? On-screen, you and then you said celebrities. So you're talking about... Okay, let's combine that. So let's say they're not trained voice actors, but they, maybe they're celebrity on-camera actors. I think he's probably talking about um, like Mario Brothers, the recent Mario Brothers movies where they were using more just celebrity names versus trained voice actors for animation. Do you care? Do you have an opinion on it? Yeah, I have an opinion, but <laughs> I don't have a say on it. Okay. okay. <laughs> so whoever asked the question, you know, I, um, I love casting everyday working actors <laughs> rather than celebrities. Um, but there's a reason, not only because of their recognition, a lot of commercials don't want the recognition, by the way, because then it takes away from the product a lot, wants it because then it features, oh, you know, so there's yeah. different reason. But um, uh, then a lot of times, um, like celebrities get these things, they just, they're unique. They're, their sound, not that their voice is unique, but especially when things became non-announcer, announcer, unpolished. And I, I built my business on that because I started doing that before they even asked for it. 
and especially then there was a reason that, you know, a TV personality, I'm not even talking about a big uh, film celebrity because they didn't sound voiceover, you know, voiceover. They sounded like they had a particular point of view and a very distinct personality point of view in their voice. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you. Mary Lynn, uh, the second question Ian asked was, how has the current strike affected your casting process? Or has it not really because we're voiceover and so much is non-union? Um, I only, it, it hasn't affected a lot. Okay. Uh, the only, I, I did have a couple of jobs a few weeks ago where they were some big campaigns and it's funny, like it happened in the same day, two jobs we were on hold to cast and we sort of already prepped it. And they said, let's put the brakes on it. We're going to hold off because they were supposed to run in the news TV season and blah, blah, blah. So they just wanted to wait. Um, but other than that, it hasn't affected um, other stuff we've cast. So, yeah, so, so far so good, but it's, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's a concern for sure, obviously. Yeah. Well, let me give you one more question. This comes from Paul Cartwright. What is an example where you cast someone because their audition was so great that even though it wasn't the the specs you called for, so I'm guessing maybe like a take two, that you had to cast them? And how often does that happen? You're asking me? Yeah. Um, Well, First place, I'm not usually the ultimate decider of who gets cast. That's the client. That's the ad agency. Um, but I am the gatekeeper to who goes to the ad agency. So yeah. I'm the one that will first listen to the 500 auditions and then, you know, pick my top 20 or so. Um, so, yeah, something special does have to kind of break through all those other voices where you all sound alike because you fit the specs. So you're all going to sound alike to me. Um uh, but sometimes, I mean, I'll be honest, I, 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 I'm a big fan of the ad lib and improv. Anybody that coaches with me knows that's what I'm always pushing. Cause those things are are noticeable and, and great. And I, I tend to book a lot of, I cast a lot of fun spots, but um, so I like when actors do that. Um, but if you go so far off the direction, you know, you might think it's super fabulous and fun and, and big and broad, but it could really piss a casting director off because it's not what we asked for. And my client hired me to get them what they asked for. So there's a, there's a level of like, you know, showing off your talent and then showing off your talent. Being distracting. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I would say kind of, you know, yeah, exactly. You just used a great word distracting, like kind of, you know, be enough to show off your, your range and your talent, but don't be obnoxious about it. Excellent. All right, JT, over to you. All right, Terry, I'm jumping back up to you. Kind of along the same lines, how much of an audition do you really listen to before you say yes or no? Well, commercials, they're short, you know, so it's only like, what, nine seconds, 10 seconds. Um. But I, as soon as I hear like the first moments, I can tell if you're definitely not right. Yep. So they would go in my, you know, I drag them into my no file. <laughs> um, so right away, I can tell. And if you sound right, I'll listen to the whole thing because um, even in that short amount of time, there's arcs. 
And if I ever, I go through my, I'll go through my things, I'll hold them down very, very generously once. Then I go through it a second time. And then to get that 20 or 30, a third time. So I definitely have to listen to the end in case you did change words or was reading the wrong. You know, I have to know that you did the right thing from beginning to end. So. So it's not always listed in the specs. So if it's not listed in the specs, do you prefer two takes? I always, I prefer two takes unless it's very long copy and I always list what I want. But I, I, I would say if you have a feeling that they just left off how many takes, I would give them two takes. One for us. Definitely one. Our copy's usually longer though. Um, and yeah, we, we definitely aren't going to be listening to two takes. We, we know the tone right off the top as well. Um, our selections are going to be a little bit different um, from theirs in terms of I think in commercials, they know what they're looking for. Whereas I think, as I mentioned, we don't actually know what we're looking for. It's the opposite. We are looking for you to bring it. And and uh, we're not typically getting um, like pitch or uh, very specific notes about voice quality. It's usually a little bit bigger uh, descriptions that are more about like personality and vibes and things like that. And so my casting, we're not giving 20 or 30, we're probably giving seven to 12. And those are going to sound a a little bit different each because I'm trying to give them, I don't want to give two that sound the same. I want to give a variety so that they have something to choose for because I'm not assuming that I know what they're looking for. I am hoping that one of these will hit in the range and then maybe we do callbacks or maybe they say, do you have more that sound like this guy? And do they usually, I mean, they're ultimately the ones who make the decision, but is that generally based on the, um, the character specs or what the character looks like, or is it Um, just pops into their head and they're like, that's, they just know. Um, I will typically get permission to see the art, but it doesn't go out. Um, so when I'm listening, I, if I have art, I will definitely listen and, and look at the art at the same time. Um, otherwise, active imagination. When the clients get it, there's a lot of factors involved. Sometimes the factor, a factor is like, how uh, much do we hear this voice? And is the, the quality of the voice like really, can it be annoying on Riki? You know, and things like that. So it may be, it may be a killer performance but the voice quality just has something that is just like annoying when played often. Uh, (laughs) And unfortunately you're not, you know, you're not, it's not the kind of line that just gets played and goes out into the ether. It's something that could get repeated 20 times and then meme to death. So. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Good point. (laughs) Um, Mary Lynn, I'm going to shoot back over to you. Uh, Livia asked, how often are you looking for accented English and how often do you need multilingual voice actors? It just depends. <laughs> you got you guys are giving me all the great open-ended questions. Um, <laughs> it's again, it just like I could get a call tomorrow all of a sudden and they'll say, we need, um, you know, 40 
English voices for a history channel project. In fact, because I just recently did something like that. So I don't know, you know, um, it does, I'll be honest. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often. I mean, um, obviously maybe because of course we're here in the States, so we're getting more, um, you know, American voices, but occasionally, you know, we'll get them, you know, some years more than others, um, out here. Sorry, there's a horn going off in my neighborhood. Um, you know, being that we're here in Los Angeles, we also cast a lot of uh, Spanish speaking spots and, and Spanish accented spots. So we'll get, you know, I think probably a greater number of those. But um, and then probably the next one would be something like a, a British voice um, or British accented voice. So I, I don't have a definite answer for that because it really just depends. You know, every every year, every job is different. Okay. Um, AB, I'm going to throw it back over to you. Yes. So Terry Briscoe wants to know which take you want to hear first, the audition that hits all the specs exactly as listed or the one that's your creative take, we'll call it. Uh, Terry, I'll ask you. I think Julia said it. You have to hit the, or, no, Mary Lynn said it. Um, you can't be so off and creative that you're not uh, doing what they ask. So it just doesn't work anymore. And those uh, setups that you do, if I have time, I'll tell send it back to the agent. If I think you're good, and I say, tell them to take out their setup. My clients are not interested in your emotional setups. So they're listening for how it's, you know, fulfilling the spot emotionally and what you're supposed to be doing. Um, But I will say like this just happened last week where on my last listen, because someone was really good, their first take was super big, a little too big. And their second take was just right. So I sent it back to the agent. I said, could you re-edit it and switch it? And you just don't know as actors. Yeah. You just don't know. We don't even know. You just have to trust yourself, make a choice, get to that point where you're very trusting. Can I chime in on that? What I I was talking about with that was um, I, it depends on the direction that they want. Because if it's a spot, a commercial, let's again, talking commercials where they want somebody who's very real, not announcery, very chatty, very snarky, right? You know, like the fun, real person stuff. I always tell my talent, put your fun stuff first, because I might never get to the second take. I like somebody who's going to kind of put their stamp on it. That's me. And I know maybe some other folks don't like that, but I want to hear because sometimes all I ever hear is your first line. And if I only, if I heard your second take where you played it super safe, when it was supposed to be a really fun, snarky or real person read, I might not ever get to that second take. So, so give me that first and then play your more staid one where you don't do your ad libs or your lead ins on your, your take two. I have found that to be very successful with that, those particular types of directions. Now I'm not talking about, you know, your very authoritative, matter of fact, authoritative, you know, insurance reads or, or, you know, introducing this, you know, you're very warm, friendly kind of things. But but since the trend in, in commercial casting, the biggest request we always get is that very real person. That's the most popular casting spec. 
you know, show them that you're real. What, what is, you know, what's going to make you more real than the person reading after you and put, put your stamp on there. Don't go way overboard with it, of course. But um, I think that's something that I have found has been a way to get you noticed um, at least in that first cut. Yeah. I mean, it really does seem, you know, and you guys have to learn how to read the directions, like really read it once and then really, really read it. What are they asking for? Which way are they leaning? If they're leaning more towards humor, you know, then you're bigger and looser. Yeah. And I'm, I'm noticing, uh, we've talked to Tina Marasco and, and I've worked with, um, Alexis, um, Oh, my brain just went dead. But anyway, every single one. Magnato, thank you. And um, every single one of you has different, you know, things that you like or don't like. Like Alexa says, never improv, like never change a word ever. It drives her crazy. But but like Mary Lynn and Tina love it. And Terry, you're saying don't do lead ins. But some people say do do lead ins. So it really is maybe working with different casting directors and learning what they like. I know at least the things that come through my agent tell me who the casting director is. Um, so, uh, well, can I, can I add something? It's really important that, like, I always tell my students when, and again, I keep referring back to that real person read and the fun, wry, dry, snarky person. Ultimately you're showing that producer who's going to be the one that picks you how much fun you're going to be at the session and how creative you're going to be at the session. If they don't hear these things in your audition, they're insecure. They're not going to know how to direct you. And, of course, they're not going to use your ad libs in the session. They can't, you know, they're not going to use them. It's to, sh- it's to showcase. It's, a, it's, if this was an on-camera commercial, you know, you're, you would be showing things physically and, and visually, of course. So you have to kind of find ways to do that with your voice and your performance. And when you have that quote unquote freedom to act and show off those skills, those improv skills or whatever you have um, in a fun, real person read or ride, dry, snarky, quirky read, take it, take it. Um, I will always in my casting, just to give that actor the extra dose of like, yeah, it's cool. You can do this. I will put that in the casting specs, you know, feel free to ad lib. It's cool. Cause I asked my client, you know, do you mind if they do this? Um, so yeah, uh, Terry's right. Read those specs, you know, cause we've spent the time talking to the ad agency producer or copywriter really fleshing out what they want. And so we want you to book. So we will put everything in those specs for you. I like what you said too. get to know the casting director. And after COVID, when this first started happening, where like Mary Lynn said, we started getting to know what to write in there. It took us a while, like to cover everything um, to know beforehand, you know, where it could go. (laughs) And um, get to know the casting director. So when it first went out, I just used to put direction. And after a couple of weeks after COVID, I said, wait a minute, like people should know it's coming from me. So I'll put uh, Berlin, Terry Berlin casting direction right on the script because you should get to know the casting director. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, but some agents take our letterhead off. Uh-huh. They don't want the actors calling, you know, notifying me. Harassing us, yeah. yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, mine but usually says. I actually write it like on the bottom where I write yeah. directly. So. Yeah. 
I watermarked the signs. Well, they're trying to protect you, I guess. But this this goes back. Everything you're saying goes back to the audition and performance are usually different, right? Like just because the what your audition was for a, a particular job doesn't mean if you book it that that's how the final spot's going to sound. And I think that's a mistake some people make. They'll hear the final spot and they'll go, "Oh, well, I of course I didn't book it. I didn't sound like that." And it's like. Well, but that might not be how that person auditioned. So um, we're we're running out of time, um, but we have several more questions. If you guys need to leave, you're welcome to pop out and just, you know, just say, let us know and say goodbye. But if you can stay on a couple more minutes, Julia, we have a question for you and I lost you on my screen. You're still here, right? Did she I'm leave? still here. I, okay, yeah, there you my, are. My Zoom crapped out on me, um, but I would love to just say one really quick shameless plug before this question, which is, I literally wrote a book and it says everything in it about what I want for my auditions. And I did it because I can't get to all of you fast enough. So please. And I'm, it's not, I'm not trying to get you to buy my friggin' book. I'm literally just like the info is in there and it is pretty consistent across video game casting directors. So please just like go there. Cause that's where the, that stuff is. <laughs> and I, maybe while while you're answering, maybe we can drop a link in the in the chat. Awesome. But um, when you are casting, do you ever visit an actor's websites or their social media to find talent, or in, does that influence your casting decision, or uh, do you just base it solely off of what you get? Did you guys pick that one specifically for me? Because I have like a lot of soapboxes about casting and websites. <laughs> Actually, um, we just hadn't asked you a question in a while, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I, I'm very adamant about, I think ev- everyone should have a website, not just actors, um, especially anyone who's being hired as a freelance creative. Uh, it is the, basically celebrities are the only people and like high-end actors that don't capitalize off of having a website. Um, musicians all have websites, small businesses, artists, that's how they, you know, sell their wares. So to, to not have a representative corner on the internet for yourself is uh, short-sighted in my opinion. Now, what you put on there is very, very, very up to the type of casting and the people that you're trying to appeal for. Um, Having downloadable demos on there is fantastic for VO so that we can get to those quickly and easily. Having um, a headshot, a professional headshot, even if you're a VO actor, is important. Um, Having a short bio, getting into something. I don't want to hear about your, your fresh voice I want to, to know about, like, authentically, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What makes you tick? Those things are so much more important than, like, the your best new voice for whatever. Like, I, I get so many ads on LinkedIn and stuff like that where people are, where it's, like, something about voiceover in their name. Like, that, you're a human. And voiceover is a tool in your actor tool belt. So actor is the end even if you're doing e-learning and stuff that doesn't have like a ton of character, there's still acting that's the heart of all of this. So yeah, I, I think that everyone should have some kind of social media presence, some kind of website, some kind of corner of the internet. Um, you can redirect to your IMDB. You can redirect to, you, just get your domain that says, you know, juliabianco.com, redirect to the 
your IMDb profile, your Actors Actors profile, your whatever, Voices.com profile, whatever it may be, if you don't want to build a whole new website. But honestly, they're pretty cheap and easy to build nowadays. So. And voice, is it voice actor? What's the free one? Voice actor websites has a free one. Voiceactor.com. Yeah, voiceactor.com. You could set one up for free. Takes 15 minutes. You can have a decent website. I tested it out. And um, if you do, um, if you do coach, uh, it, I would be remiss to not say like Skills Hub is where I do all my coaching on um, because it's a platform that allows uh, actors to reach out directly uh, without having um, to be contacted via email and manage payment and all that stuff. So it's called um, acting.skillshub.life. Um, Jennifer Hale, the voice actress, created it. And uh, if you are into coaching, I highly recommend. There's a handful. There's there's lots of actor coaches on there too, but there's a handful of casting directors um, on there as well. So it's a good way to get in front of us. Great. Um, another one for you, Mary Lynn. How flexible is casting? <laughs> with VO that have full-time non-VO jobs and might need a few days or a couple of weeks to schedule something for a live session? Is the gut reaction to move on to their second option or how much of a yes man do they need to be? Oh God, I, my heart goes out to those people because I know, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to start, but like, again, in commercials, there is such a quick turnaround and if they book you, they they want you when they want you. And so you have to be accessible. Um, they're not going to, I'll just put it this way. They're not going to wait for you, unfortunately. Some other things like like a narration projects I've worked on or an e-learning thing or, you know, the stuff. Sometimes I can push those a little bit. Um, again, maybe if it's a client in the, in Europe or something, time difference kind of works in our favor for the actor. But for the most part, um, you've, you've got to, you've got to have a, you know, kind of a nine to five availability or maybe even earlier eight to five or something availability to, to be able to jump into the booth and, and do a job. So it's tough. And, and I do feel for, for actors that are, you know, can't quite get rid of that full-time job yet. Um, cause they're not going to wait for you and do it on a Saturday. They'll just get the next person, unfortunately. We do evening sessions and weekend sessions for, for foreign video games, typically. Just throwing that out there. So. Good to know. Good to know. I know that typically they'll tell you the date. And so maybe um, for the person who asked the question, you know, maybe when you're auditioning, just think ahead, like, would I be able to take that day off or part of that day off? Yeah, but they, they do that a lot, but they never seem to do the date they said they're going to do. But you're right. Like, if you see that it's that date, let your agent know. Yeah, I can do that after 2 p.m. or something like that, because any good agent that will submit that audition or even if it's just coming from you, make that little note next to your submission. And so then the casting director can relay that because maybe if they do super, you know, really, really love you, they will accommodate you. But um, most of the time there it, there is kind of that quick, you know, we need to book them and let's book them now. Yep. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. We've made it to an hour. We, we, I think we made it through all of the questions. If we missed anything, you guys can drop it in our Facebook group. And um, I'm sure that there's several of you are in that already. Um, Mary Lynn, Julia, Terry, thank you so much on behalf of everybody listening for your time. And before you go, we'd love for you to share a final thought or tip or word of wisdom, 
and then your favorite dessert. So we'll just work through each of you. So we'll start with Julia. <laughs> um, final like words stuck of on, wisdom. Stuck on dessert. So I know. Um, uh, final thoughts is, uh, I think I said it with tool in the tool boat and that, you know, acting, 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 take acting classes, take, take, um, take in-person acting if you can, because, because they're back, you know, there are in-person acting classes, um, even if it's local theater, anything to have you acting and reacting off of people, improv classes, things to just loosen you up and just make you feel human emotions, um, all of those things are so helpful, um, because it's really hard to just harness all of that stuff in a, in a booth by yourself. Uh, and it, all of those things will feed your audition process so much. Um, and in terms of favorite dessert, I don't know that I necessarily have a favorite. I like ice cream a lot, but I have a, a bunt cake tattoo. So I guess that should be the one. <laughs> Hold on. It's fabulous. Uh, it's, yeah. So there you go. Bunch That's me. Ice cream. <laughs> How about That's you, commitment. Terry? <laughs> it's, boont, it's boont cake if you've seen my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> Do I have time to ask you why you have that tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's a family recipe that my oh. mom and uh, myself <laughs> and my sister and my daughter all know how to make. And so it's a, a little reminder of our holiday baking. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. All right, Terry, tell us your fa- like one drop of wisdom and then your favorite dessert. Just keep, keep studying to keep uh, sharp and confident. Um, know the emotional feel of the spot. Know how to read the, the directions. Read through it. Read in between. Read the words in between what's not said. I... Different days, I love different desserts. Sometimes it's lemons, sometimes it's apple. But what came to my mind really decadent is flan. (laughs) Carlos just asked for something Latin. There you go, Carlos. Flan. We make, my husband's Puerto Rican and we make flan. That's like the birthdays and Christmas. We make flan. It's delicious. Um, Mary Lynn, what about you? Words of wisdom. Um, words of wisdom. I exactly what what the what uh, Terry and Julia said. I couldn't agree more. Always study, but I think most importantly, just be kind to yourself because this is a hard business. And and I applaud each and every one of you for doing what you do and really just you know sticking your nose to the grindstone and study and be on you know these these tr- platforms to learn and and gather knowledge. But it takes time and it's hard and it's frustrating. And um, be kind to yourself because it, it's, it's, it is a process and it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, you'll get there. You'll get there. If you're meant to get there, you'll get there. And, and the one thing about the voiceover community, which I've known in all these years, I've been working, people are really nice, you know, and, and um, you got besties here. You couldn't ask for a better group. I mean, this is right. Awesome. Yeah. And favorite dessert. I don't know. My mind immediately went to raspberry sorbet. There's just something I love about a really good raspberry sorbet or creme brulee. So I'd say those two are my kind of my go-tos maybe. So, okay. We can stay friends. It's fine. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, okay. So a huge thank you, not only to you guys, but to everyone who joined us today. We appreciate you showing up and participating, engaging in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Dance party before we go. Uh, if you are listening to our podcast, feel free to join us live on Zoom every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Meanwhile, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and do not bombard these casting directors with requests and shooting demos their way and those kinds of things. They are here at the kindness of their hearts. So again, let's be respectful um, of their time as well. But connect with the besties, all of us in this room, everyone on our podcast, please connect with each other. Uh, You can catch our recording later on our website, boothbesties.com or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We would love it if you would hop on any platform and leave us a review. Those reviews help us reach more listeners who are looking for great voiceover content. Uh, Over to you, JT. Well, once again, make sure you are signed up for the VO Booth Besties newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. And bonus, you'll find discounts from our affiliate partners there as well. And every Monday, we are offering an accountability group at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern. That is hosted by the amazing Nevin Stoltz, as well as a second group now that we've added at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, headed up by Jess Matheson. It's a place where you can set goals and and just talk and work together, and um, it's pretty fun. So Thursday, we're going to be joined by Rachel Naylor. She's going to be talking about the Get Your Game On conference in L.A., and that's that's a wrap, you guys. Thanks for being here, and have a great rest of your day or night or whatever it is where you are. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.